morning, ladies and gentlemen. We are live from our separate social distancing locations throughout the DMV, and this is the Neighborish Livecast. I'm Super Dave, a.k.a. Mr. Incredible, and with me, as always, are two of the dopest individuals in the DMV. First of all, our resident feminine energy, uh, <laughs> personal trainer and fitness guru, Miss Fruitfit herself, Patrice Fruitfit. Jones. And, uh, good morning, good morning. Good morning. And DC's native son, the SE3 representative, Jay Sun, is with us. Hey. Good morning, sir. And uh, we got a great show for y'all today. Um, I've known our guests since high school, um, but uh, you guys have probably seen her uh, on her feature segment on Channel 7's Good Morning Washington. Uh, she's a fellow graduate of Eastern Senior High School, but that was a long time ago. Uh, today, her I'm company. No age, Dave. All right, all right. Ebo. <laughs> but uh, today, her company's website, Taylor Homemade, features a plethora of delicious recipes centered around the idea of cooking fresh. You can also purchase her signature infused oils and spice blends to add that Taylor Homemade touch to your own dishes, ladies and gentlemen. Miss Regina, Mrs. Regina Taylor is with us. Welcome. It's so good to Hi. have you here. How Thank you doing? You <laughs> definitely, definitely. You have an awesome story, and I'm really um, excited and looking forward to, to getting into it and, and talking about your journey. But um, first, as we typically do, there's a lot of things going on in the city, in the country, in the world that we need to talk about. So we're going to talk oh, about yeah. it. What's going on, Dave? It's a lot going on. But before I always jump right into it, I want to, before I do that, man, how you guys doing, man? I ain't talked to y'all. I ain't seen y'all in a while. How's everything? Y'all hanging in there? Hanging tough in these COVID-19 streets? Time, you said what? I see you all the time, babe. Well, not you specifically. <laughs> Patrice, how you doing? You good? Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging. I'm, I'm good. That's good. I'm hanging. Yeah. Just still I see you outside. I see trees with the wind blowing. And, and yeah, the I got to get some energy. I don't know if y'all into but you know, like, four planets are in retrograde right now. So that energy, I woke up with my energy a little off. So I just needed some air outside of being sitting in my car that y'all always talk about. Right, right, yeah. So, I mean, I just, I just go to the window and let the sun come in the window. I don't go outside, but uh, you know, it ain't no sun, Dave. You gotta go out in the elements. And... Get the air and stuff. Yeah, no, I get it. I'm, I'm actually going. I'm, I'm gonna go outside today. I'm going to the mailbox, so I'm gonna do that later today. Good job, That's a big. <laughs> That's a big. Way move. to get that half a mile in. Exactly, exactly. But uh, speaking of the coronavirus, it's still something that's huge on everybody's mind. Uh, at this, at the time of this broadcast, approximately 1.5 million cases have been confirmed in the United States. And while 281,000 people have recovered, there have been 89,000 deaths in the U.S. And um, these numbers are still staggering. Now, um, hearing all of that, it makes you kind of wonder, like, so so what are we, what are we doing? Like, what, what happens now? Well, for the past few months, we've been hearing the term flattening the curve. And the curve refers to the number of cases um going up drastically you know since since this whole thing has started and um you know if you're like me you've been wondering like how's that going like are we flattening the curve so um actually a lot of reports are saying we are npr.com is reporting that the latest data indicates that the number of new cases reported on a daily and weekly basis have decreased at a rate that leads officials to believe that we're finally getting a handle on this pandemic now while that's great news, it doesn't mean that we're out of the, the woods yet. 
Um, while national numbers are starting to decline, there are specific areas, uh, localized areas, where the cases are still increasing. So it's imperative that we continue to practice social distancing, wearing masks, and you know, making sure our hands and our environments are clean and sanitized as much as possible. So, um, you know, I just wanted to give a little bit of information because some people, you know, you hear terms like flattening the curve. Oh, and, shit. Well, you know, you don't like me giving people information. He don't like the people to learn nothing. I don't <laughs> like your list. You have like a list. Well, I ain't got a list. <laughs> I was just telling you what. Oh, you got a list today? No, nah, no, nah, no list. No list. I know you, okay. you're a hater of my uh, list situation. I you am. Know, I'm trying know. to, I'm sorry. you know, well, I'm not get sorry, some information. I'm so glad that you don't like that I don't like your list. Yes, yes. I understand that you are not a fan of the lists of me providing the people with much needed information. But anyway, um, so like I know uh, by now most of you have probably heard the name uh, Brianna Taylor. It's, it's windy out there, ain't it? It is. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you jumped <laughs> off the building, Patrice. I had to check on you. But, um, but yeah, but seriously, um, I know most of you by now have heard the name Brianna Taylor, but if you haven't, she's a 26-year-old EMT from Louisville, Kentucky, that was murdered on uh, March 13th by three police officers who burst into her house uh, at 1 a.m. while executing a search warrant. Uh, the police, who were in plain clothes and not wearing body cameras, originally asserted that they announced their presence before and during entry into Brianna's uh, home. Uh, her boyfriend, who's a registered gun owner, was startled by the intrusion, believing they were being burglarized. Um, fired shots uh, at the intruders, hitting one of the police officers in the leg. The police officers returned fire, striking Brianna eight times, and she was mortally wounded. Um, now they're saying that the warrant that they had uh, was what's called a no-knock warrant, which is a warrant that provides the police officers the ability to enter a location without knocking or announcing themselves. Um, as the police officers uh, announcing themselves as police officers in an effort to preserve uh, evidence. Uh, but the warrant itself now is in question because it alleges that an investigation by the Postal Service re revealed that Brianna was receiving packages for a known drug dealer. But the post office is now saying, post office officials are saying that even though they did investigate the claims, uh, it was found that it wasn't true, that she wasn't receiving any other packages. So they're saying that the officers um, lied to the judge to be able to receive the warrant, which I know Jay is saying this is nothing out of the normal or nothing out of the ordinary, you know. Um, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and your assertion, and like I've been saying, man, it's so hard for me to, you know, um, to debate you on the, the notion that, that it's, it's a war. You know, on us. I'm trying to debate me, Dave. Yeah, yeah, I can't no more. Like, Except the truth, my brother. This is no debate. It's the truth. Yeah. Let's oh, believe Dave has been debating me for years about the 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 severity of this system and its outlook on you know uh, Native Americans, Asian Americans, Black people, Africans. People I've been debating with Dave about this for 20 years. People of color, yeah, and definitely, but. But um, so now the attack that seems to be focused on our women, though, like is it, it's so crazy. It's that not so now. Many women. It always has been. But yeah, well, I mean, it's more. And so, do you think that it's more? Um, it's got cameras now. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I think it's, it's just that it's more televised now and more in the forefront because of all the cameras. But it's nothing new. It's nothing new at all. Right. Let me so, hold on. Let me take a quick break in your the most uh, disrespectful species on the planet. Yeah, exactly. Let me take a break in your segment, Dave. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. But in war, the most powerful living element 
in the universe is a black woman. So if you're in a war, the strategy is to, is to cut the head because you can kill all the dudes, lock up all the dudes and all of that. But the women are the key because one, they are like the equivalent, the, the physical manifestation of what science calls God, right? And so if they, they can create anything, any human on the planet, any color, any shade, any, they just like, you know, it's like, uh, it's black matter. They're like physical black matter. And then secondly, you can do whatever you want to to the men, but the women still have to raise the rest of the men. Right, right. So the ultimate strategy, the head, the leadership of black people is black women. Despite what niggas say and what niggas say in their rap songs, all that shit. Don't listen to them niggas. Like the, 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 the head of the black family is the black woman. And so she is always public enemy number one. It's made to seem like it's us because we get like the physical violence, like they pop us in the head and lock us up and all of that. But the real strategy is getting into the minds of the black women that have to raise the rest of the men. The black women are always the target. And that was Jason's fist up moment for the day. I got more in the shows. You got some more? Yeah, we just started. Yeah, yeah. uh, Okay, so that wasn't the official fist up moment. We'll okay. give a half a fist. You, okay. It's almost up. It's like that high. It's not almost all the way up. up. Not all the way up. We're going to get into it. But, um, but it's interesting that you should bring up the rappers. I want to talk a little bit. And it's the reason I'm bringing this up. It's a question Did that she I say, I think she had to say something. Uh, what's your name? Regina. <laughs> Her name is Regina. You got to read the Regina. notes that I send you. But you anyway. have, did you want to say something when I was I in think the middle she said of my No, nah, she said it already, right? Oh, okay. he, he was vibing. He was so okay, hard okay. ranting that he didn't even. You know, when I get my phone, I didn't start this. But yeah, on the on the um the topic of the rappers, so um twenty twenty four year old uh, Daniel Hernandez, better known as his stage oh, name Takashi Six Nine. Stay with me, Jay. Uh, it's back in the news. Um, he, as you know, he just recently got out of jail. He turned state's witness and, uh, you know, snitched on a bunch of people. But apparently snitching ain't, you know, it doesn't have the repercussions or ramifications that it used to. Because he got out, he put out a song, he made a bunch of money. But um, here's my, uh, here's the, what I wanted to talk about and my question to you guys. So um, he was trying to make a donation to a charitable organization called No Kids Hungry. Um, and it was a donation of $200,000 uh, to help support their efforts to keep um, America's uh, starving youth fed, and the uh, the charity actually rejected his donation. In a statement, uh, the charitable organization said, "While we appreciate Mr. Hernandez's generosity, um, uh, as a child-focused campaign, it is our policy to decline donations from donors whose activities do not align with our mission and values." And, you know, as a company, I can definitely understand that, you know, they don't want to have anybody uh, donating to them that's that's outside of what they're, you know, working towards. And he definitely is not for the kids. But um, but so my question is this. In a time like this where so much is going on, so many people who would typically donate aren't donating, you know, and uh, organizations like that are struggling. Companies are struggling. J.C. Penney just uh, filed for bankruptcy. A lot of big companies are uh, voting. Damn. 
Yeah, they was holding on. But um, JCPenney was close. Nah, nah, they still hanging on. They still hanging on, huh? They got them slacks, it, man. You gotta get the over, slacks. It's over for them. <laughs> but anyway, um, <laughs> is it feasible for a charitable organization that works off of donations that nobody's really donating? Is it feasible for them to be turning down donations from anywhere? Like, if your overall goal is to feed hungry children, you can't really do that without the money. So, um, should they really be focused on, you know, where it's coming from? Like our mothers and our, you know, elders used to say, all money ain't good money. That's true. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, so they got the right to say no. Like you got to think about it. If you had a business or a company, would you want to be affiliated with that? Like you wouldn't want Definitely. any part of it. So I think they have right to say no. Yeah, yeah. Any, Jay, you want to, uh, Patrice? Y'all guys want to? Yeah, I, I got a couple things, but I want to hear Patrice. <laughs> I, um, I, I'm going to go left again, like I always do. Um, I think many organizations that deal with feeding children and doing stuff overseas and all that receive monies that are less than um, attractive, I'll say, um, whether it's from a pedophile or somebody that's been affiliated with that um, as an organization or as an individual. But I think overall, hip hop or whatever it is he does, I don't listen to all of his music, but <laughs> yeah, that yeah. imagery of hip hop will always receive some sort of jab in the media. So I, I, don't, I don't have like a solid opinion about it, but um, that's, you know, that's my overall outlook. They, wow. he, it's, it, they, somebody made a statement with that. Somebody that was a that was a some type of political statement, I think. Because that's um, I think it's a little deep. I'm gonna go ahead and hand it over to Jay because he's gonna take it out of well, well, real, real quick, let me just say I was I was thinking about that aspect of it too, about how um. You know, but and I guess the visibility plays into it just because Takashi is so visible as an individual. But there are definitely people who donate to these things who donate either anonymous, anonymously or only known by the people who are in the corporation. I wonder if he did it more anonymously, if he would have been uh, rejected or if they would have. Because, I mean, he made a big show of it because he wants people to know, you know, that he's still got money and stuff like that. But um but yeah, I definitely thought about that aspect of it and how because he's a rapper and because he's, um, you know, uh, certain, even though he's like Hispanic and white, but still, you know, he represents the, the culture of hip hop at this point, unfortunately, but uh, but still he does. And, uh, that's uh, <laughs> So I thought about that aspect, but go ahead, Jay, what you got? Yeah, well, to, to agree with both of these lovely sisters this morning, uh, first off, I don't trust none of them organizations anyway. They be taking all types of money from murderers and rapists and pedophiles and all of that. So I don't trust them anyway. Like and all of these nonprofits that people be sending money to, like if they like on the ground level, like like in the community, like these outside organizations that come in our communities and, and raise money for our what they call them uh, uh, at risk youth. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like all the so first off, like you know, it don't matter. It's, they contradicting themselves because I know, like like Patrice said, they've taken money from people who who have done extreme worse measures than this little boy. And then, second of all, uh, like the, like the other sister was saying, 
Like, you know. My name is Regina. <laughs> oh, I knew. I just said, my bad. I just, I just, I just interchanged, I just interchanged pronouns. Okay. I'm Go sorry. Ahead. Okay. But, uh, yeah, but, uh, on, on, on the quest to get this guacamole, bruh, it's like you want it via grace and in perfect ways. Like she said, man, all money ain't good money. And it's like, you know, uh, uh, like, yeah, we all could, could, could live uh, uh, or, or attain the wealth and the status that we want. But if it ain't via grace and in perfect ways, like, you know, it's going to be some shit with it. And that's just, that's why our grandmamas and our great grandmamas told us that. <laughs> I think it was a publicity stunt for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And that's what I was saying. And Maybe I think get that's it. part of the reason why they turned it down. Like, right. you got to think about it. Look how much money Jay-Z and Beyonce, for example, donate all the time. They don't announce it. You right. find out like months and maybe years after they donate. It's yeah, not announced yeah. because it was genuine and it was pure. Yeah. For him, he just came out. Oh, I just got out of jail because I snitched on everybody. I got a new song I want to drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what else can I do to put my name out there so people can be talking about me? That's what yeah. it was about. I don't think it was genuine. And I think the organization felt that, and they didn't want to be used as a ploy for him. Yeah, You know, and the flip side, like he was talking about nonprofits and stuff. I worked for nonprofit for maybe eight years. I'm not gonna go too deep, <laughs> but all that money that come in mm-hmm. yeah. don't go to where it's supposed to go. All right, no. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah, say that. I'll yeah. say out a hundred percent, maybe thirty-five goes to where. And that's yeah. being generous. That's being right. real generous. Uh, <laughs> that's that's, that's so they won't get sued, right? And yeah. that's what it was about. Right, right. Yeah, I think I noticed. Uh, I used to work at Safeway, and they had a partnership with um, with uh, Susan G. Coleman, and um, not knocking them at all. But um, but I just noticed, like when they had a, a representative come in, and she was talking to us about their organization, and just listening to what she was saying. You know, um, if you pay attention on a certain level, she's like, "Yeah, we have uh, this many thousands of employees throughout the world. We have a headquarters in Manhattan." We have, you know, um, all these different things. And I'm like, how much do y'all pay for that? Like, the advertising alone. Like, where's the money going? Like, so all this money is, you know, uh, that we're that people are donating. You got us at the registers telling people, make sure you give to breast cancer research and all this. How is it reaching ground level? Like, and it's definitely not. A, a lot of it is going to your rent at your Manhattan uh, headquarters. <laughs> your, you know, paying all your employees. And not that people shouldn't get paid, but if the the goal is to raise money, don't you know mislead the people and have them thinking that. Um, you know, you're, the money that you give is actually getting into the hands of somebody who's. But that's the whole. Even, that's the whole game of the nonprofit. Right. It's, yeah. it's a capitalist yeah. venture, yeah. and it, it tugs on the emotional aspect of human beings. Right. Right. So it's it's still it's like these these nonprofits thrive in this capitalist society. How else can you thrive in a capitalist society? Right. Yeah. Unless you get sixty-five percent of the donation goes to the CEO's Manhattan condo. Right, yeah, yeah. And they Jaguar, and the rest of the money is split between the charities and 
all the employees. Right, right. That's how they get paid. It's, yeah, it's a, yeah. 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 You got some comments, Dave. Yeah, what you got? All right, so my homeboy, Tim, who, who tunes in a lot now. What's up, Tim? Shout out to Tim. Yeah, that's Tim. Uh, his first comment was like, they also they they also say money is the root of evil. So is there such thing as good money? Yes. Hold well, uh, you got more. You got more. Well, can I respond then, to that uh, real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Just the uh, that that notion. The actual quote is, "The love of money is the root of evil." Talking about man's passion for money, um, as opposed to actual money itself, because money is paper, is green paper, like we talked about before. It's not. You know, the only reason it has the value it has is because we say it does. But go ahead. Oh, yeah. His, his other statement is bigger than the organizations, though. It's about the children in life we all have at one time set aside our personal agenda to help out. I know my mother had made many of sacrifices to raise me. Yeah, and that's kind of like what I'm saying about these organizations. Um, you know, uh, any organization that comes into a community can... It comes into a community that isn't of the community should be looked at with a side eye. You know, even if they do have the resources and the ability to, to give certain, uh, uh, I guess, gifts or, or helpful gestures, I'm not saying that they're bad. I'm just saying, like, from, from our interaction with Europeans, we should always look at any organization that comes into our community that is not of that community and we should just look at them with a side eye. Not say that they evil, not saying that they devils or nothing, but I learned that sentiment from Marcus Garvey. It's just a, it's an instinctual uh, um, protection for ourselves that we as black people seem to be the only race on the planet that is not real good. Like, Can I interject, Jay? Yes, please interject. So one, of the reasons, one of the reasons that we don't and we don't question, and I'll give you an example, in my apartment complex on the door one day when I was walking in, it was a sign asking for young boys between the ages of 12 to 15 to go to this camp, and they was going to pay the families $1,000. And I was thinking to myself, how many people in this building actually said, well, oh, my God, that's great. That I need sound fishy as I thought about, I need to protect my son. I would never do, I would never even think of it. I don't care if I had a minus 500 in my account, I wouldn't. But this is why. Because so many of us suffer from what I believe is Stockholm Syndrome, and it's passed down from generation to generation. And so when you Stockholm Syndrome says, you know, you're abuser or you're overtake or whatever, you, you have a, a sick love for them. And so when you look at them, you don't question their motives. And a, a, lot, of, a lot of people in our communities, that's how they move. And so when someone comes in to save the day, and they don't look like us, you know, what we should be doing is what you speak to Jay all the time. And that's, you know, organizing as a community and as a, a family within a community, you know, whether it's food, business, et cetera. We don't look to that. We look outside. And so when the outsiders come in, we're like, oh, they so nice. They did this, they did that. And it's, it's so. Yeah, yeah. And it's, no, no. And it's, it's cool. That's definitely, um, that's definitely the case. I believe, and it's definitely manufactured. You look at all the movies, the white savior movies, where, you know, it's the inner city people and they're struggling and they can't do nothing, but then here come the white person to come along. And, and you know, not bashing any white people that um are watching our show right now, but um we hate all of y'all. No, but um I'm just kidding. No, but, uh, <laughs> and honestly, no. He's always speaking for Jay, everybody. It doesn't even have to be white because we live in such an eclectic 
you know, mixture of people right now, as long as they don't look like us. Yeah, so if they don't look like us, we look like oh they saving a day you know and, and you guys losing their connection sis i think it's just me and you y'all there no no we here i can see you yeah we here yeah. oh okay yeah. it's you that's yeah, losing that's connection anyway but... <laughs> it's all in my high vibrations you know it's my frequency yeah they start hearing you speaking <laughs> yeah. that truth they like cut her off no, nah, but uh, you know it happens every time yeah 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 you start to get uh <laughs> so, yeah so so yeah that's um Definitely uh, a deep topic. We could talk about that um, for hours. Oh, and hours. one more, one more tidbit, one more what thing, you got, Dave, Jay? just real quick. So even if I, what, you know, the name of the organization, the organization that he tried to donate to, yeah, yeah, it's called uh, No Kids Hungry. Okay, so I don't know nothing about the organization to be talking smack, but if indeed they are, let's just say for for argument's sake that they are a, a community grassroots organization from whatever community that they're in started by people from that community trying to look out for their children in the community right let's which they're not i'm, I'm not sure i don't know about it so <laughs> but if they are they probably is like well from a community level we ain't taking money from no snitch period who's publicly known as a snitch that just got out of jail like if they are like a real hood organization they like oh nice man we ain't taking your bread Right, but let me ask you this, because that was one of my uh, one of the things that I noticed in researching this was he, you know, got out of jail. Like he put out a song called Gooba or something like that, and I listened to the song just to uh, see. Well, it was terrible, first of all. But the last line of the song, he says, you know, I would say something like I ratted and still came home to a, a to a big bag. You know, so he's like bragging about being a snitch. Like, you, does snitching have the same? Here's the contradiction, Dave. Here's the contradiction, Dave. <laughs> he is representative of the street culture that's out here now. These niggas out here snitching like crazy. Yeah. He just famous. It's like it's a rack of niggas out here snitching. Come like go hard niggas, like tough niggas that niggas is scared of. But they home because they snitch. Like that code been gone since like the nineties. Like it's it's multiple snitching ass, fake ass niggas out here surrounding us. And we pointing the finger at this little suburban kid who you know got caught up in some gang shit. They did him dirty. You know what I'm saying? So it's like he doing what I would expect a nigga like him to do. He ain't from he ain't from that life, and everybody know that he not about that life. But this niggas that's in that life out here on the blocks right now that has made that the norm culture. Snitching have been a culture since the '90s. The code been broke for 20, 30 years. They started hitting niggas with them sentences, and niggas yeah, like, exactly because they start giving them football numbers. Then they real like niggas start realizing like these streets is dirty. These streets yeah. don't love you, but it's like they don't figure out that the streets don't love them until they behind the cell. Until they sitting in like, front of a really uh, love detective, me, and they trying to send me up for twenty. And they say if I snitch on a nigga that 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 robbed me, that's that that smashed my baby mother, that hit my mother, and I get out in three, it's like fuck that. Nigga. You know what I'm saying? It ain't no it ain't no honor amongst these no more. Like that code been broke. It ain't start with 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 Takashi. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey Jay, can I tell you something? Yeah. You're the only dude I know can go from Marcus Garvey to 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 Huey P. Newton with a, with a gun in your hand and it's him. They had guns too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it ain't no different. 
it's different stages, but it's the same energy. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. we 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 trying to make it out like he's doing something that that like oh I can't believe he do it when you right. look to your left walk outside look to your left and to your right it's fifty niggas that did the same shit but we ain't collectively as a community out outing them or or giving them no shade or or you know what I'm saying like it's a whole bunch of shady shit that go on in our communities that we had codes. And, and street laws that we abided by, cause I know niggas that been sat down and ate some years for they man, cause they, you know, so they not gonna snitch on their code D. Because Charlemagne made a good point about this, and he was like, if you in that game, whether them niggas fuck with you or not, like if you decide to go in that game and be of that culture, it's like part of the rules was like once you in this shit, you can't snitch. You can hate the nigga. But it's yeah. rules, it's integrity that and and, uh, and uh, uh, packs that you make with yourself. I don't know. It ain't got it nothing to do with nobody else. But I'm just saying, all I'm saying is like that shit been gone. Yeah, like yeah, Takashi yeah. is just a, a, he's probably the son or grandson of the generation that the code was lost. Yeah, yeah. Is it, is it integrity though? Because like you can be mad and hate the nigga and kill him. But you can't snitch on them. The, yeah, the, the game fucked up. That's yeah, what I'm saying. It's, it's weird. It's, yeah, it's weird. Actually, it's just weird. I never got it. It's just weird. He makes a good point. Even though he's a snitch, he makes a good point. He was like, they didn't show him no loyalty. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, it's like, but the, but Charlemagne's point was, it don't matter. You decided to be in that game. And so like, that's a part of the quote unquote unwritten rules of that game. Just like he doing with the um with the money, I think he was he was acting. He wasn't trying to be in the right, game. Right, exactly. And but it, just got, he, it just got real, real, real quick. You know. Right, and so now you you know you got to choose whether like you going to finish the script or you opting out. That nigga opted out, and it's like we're in a society now. Like you know they got the pictures of shit of uh, Alpo out in the streets up in New York, coming yeah, to DC, going yeah. to the clubs and all that shit. Yeah, well, you know. So, so like, like the Apple, what two, three generations ago? Yeah, he, he, and they did a fucking deal. movie about Frank Lucas, made him look like a hero. Yeah, got Denzel and shit. Like, oh, we we been started glorifying snitches. Yeah, that's that's a uh, you know that's an interesting. So let's not let's not act like this is some new shit in the culture. Well, but they don't. I don't know about glorifying. They've been showing it in a. They haven't been shown it in such a negative light, but snitching like it's still a negative thing. You look at hip hop culture; they talk about how how negative it is, um, and a lot of uh, artists aren't going to ever, you know, deal with him again. You, you look at how they were trying to do Ti when they thought so, he was snitching. You look at how you know um, people that's uh, many snitches. There's yeah, so many snitches in hip hop. I mean, yeah, I ain't you know. You know, it's so many snitches in hip hop, and and most. Most mainstream hip hop artists are agents anyway, you know, assigned with an agenda for our communities. So they already agents in anyway. So they're not really. How they they've contributed to the destruction of our communities based on the the narratives that they perpetuate and the lyrics that they perpetuate and the images that they perpetuate. They already agents. They already cooperated with the state, you know, back from that meeting out in the West Coast. I think in '91 
with, with, with the gangster rap and the, and the pharmaceutical companies and the gun companies. Like, so they started making lists of niggas back then in the early, early 90s of who's going to be cooperating with, with, with state governments and federal agents back then. And it's been, they've been all throughout hip hop the whole time. And so Takashi might be about to expose that shit, which is why these some of these snitch rappers are, are coming down on Takashi, you know. But all of them deserve the same shit. Well, you said you had a lot for us today, Jay. It looks like uh, told you, nigga. <laughs> yeah. it's, them, it's them planets, Patrice. Whatever they doing, what they doing? Yeah, it's four planets in retrograde. Yeah, whatever the fuck that means. Yeah. So, so no, so. So one of the things that it means is that love is moving backwards, and that's not just romantic love. That's, you know, um, universal love, and the way that we move is, is going backwards, and that's why right now it's a very important time to be in charge of your energy. Um, uh, that's a whole other subject, but that's why if you feel a little off, like I'm looking at my timeline, like a lot of people talking about dreams and stuff, like, during this time, and they think it's the coronavirus, and it's, it's that's a that's a contributing to it, but it's, it has a lot to do with, um, you know, what what's going right now, going on right now in the universe. But, okay, yeah. So um, so before we get into the interview, I wanted to talk a little bit real quick about um, uh, with the with professional sports. Uh, being yet another casualty of the COVID-19 pandemic, there's been a spike in viewership of uh, sports documentaries, ESPN's 2020 series and, and things of that like. Uh, more recently, two basketball-centered documentaries have been making waves across pop culture. The first one oh, yeah. ended last night. Uh, did you watch the last episode of The Last Dance, Jay? The Chicago Bulls? I, I didn't see episode 10 yet. I saw episode 9. I didn't catch the because you know they, they air them two at a time. Right, right. So I didn't see the the last last one. I still haven't seen any of them because you know I'm at work when they air. But uh, but a lot of people been talking about. Well, you know, but a lot of people talk about um are talking about um uh, Michael Jordan's pettiness. How uh, he was he was like yeah, he did a I lot of that stuff. Oh, for real? So like, what was he being petty about? Like, what was the? Oh, he was a, he was an asshole. But it's like he's he's he summed it up. He's like, yeah, he was like, you could think I'm being an asshole, I'm being a jerk or whatever. He was like, but you've never won anything. It takes a certain level of assholeness to reach, <laughs> you know, uh, like in, in war, in war, you got to hurt people's feelings. Like if people ain't up to par and ready to go out on the battlefield, fuck their feelings. You got a war to win. You can't, you know, be juggling motherfuckers' emotions and, and all of that shit. It's like, nigga, you know, get down or lay down. Okay. And uh <laughs> but you know I just agree I agree with his warrior mentality um uh, and his approach to to winning and his approach to greatness. Like he didn't take no bullshit and he he understood that there was a certain level that you have to attain to get to achieve success. And um uh, you know yeah, but if if you weren't that type of person it would seem like he's being mean or he's being an asshole. But it's like, if you are of champion pedigree, you know what that is. So you don't take it personal. Like, you know what he's trying to do. But a lot of people ain't wired the same way. You know what I'm saying? And so some people was like, oh, he was too harsh. So he talked to niggas crazy. But other people, like niggas who had that championship pedigree, knew, like, when, they was, when he was coming at them, they knew what it was. They're like, oh, this nigga... Is trying to get the extreme best 
He wants me to reach my highest potential. And in order, like Catrice knows this, like, and, and when you push in your body, you know, it could be a, a point in your time, your body has like a second gear that you never know you can get to until you fully exhaust the first gear. And so if Jordan would exhaust the fuck out that first gear in, in people in order to, in order for them to get to another level. Well, all right. And, uh, yeah, so the last dance documentary is uh is on what's that ESPN? Yeah. So CNN. Yeah. yeah. And uh and that the other one, good one though, Dave. Yeah, and the other one, uh the latest uh entitled Basketball County, it's in the water, uh is a documentary focused on the D M V area and more specifically PG County uh area that has spawned a number of NBA stars of over the past decade, including Kevin Durant. Uh, who the documentary is uh, pretty much centered around, but it talks about a lot of uh, a lot of the uh, you know basketball stars that have come out of this area, how they train no, different. Just PG County. Just PG County. Well, that's in the area. That's what I'm. Anyway, we how they train different. Area. They they didn't bring no stars from DC or Montgomery County or none of that. It was just Prince George's specifically County, specifically PG County. But yeah, it was a lot that's of them it. came out of PG County. It was, it yeah, was very, yeah, yeah, they did their thing. So. Uh, so check those out if you get a chance. Uh, very interesting documentaries. And um, now, I would like to talk to our guest. Hi, Jaina. Hey. She's sitting there like, these niggas is crazy. I can't believe I'm on this. No, but. Uh, <laughs> Fuck up her business. I'm taking it all in. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, you don't, you don't think we crazy? We're a little, we're a little off, right? No. Okay, I, good. I appreciate the realness. Good, that was a test. You just passed it. Boom, look at that. No. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I just wanted to talk to you. Like the reason I wanted to um to have you on here and interview you, uh, is first of all because I know you, and uh, it's awesome that you're um doing such great things, and your motivation for doing such great things is is, is quite interesting and quite beautiful in my opinion. Uh, your, motiva- your motivation uh, for this journey is an awesome part of the story. Why do people always call me while I'm doing the show? Anyway, <laughs> it's an awesome part of the story. And um, I want to get into how you started. Well, actually, first I want to go back to uh, to uh, back when it was Regina Blaine, when I knew you in, in Eastern. Do you remember what you wanted to, what you wanted to be when you grew up? Or did you have an idea of like what direction you were going in at that time? I wanted to be an architect. Okay. I, my plan was to escape D.C. and move to California and become this big architect. And, you know, sometimes life changes, but in my opinion, it changed for the better. Right, right. And I just wanted to uh, kind of give that idea that sometimes you don't know where your path is and people get so hard on themselves about like not living up to the vision that they have for themselves when that might not be your you know your path you know you learn things through the years and discover things about yourself and your passion and and things change in your life that guide you in different directions and so um you know it's not always you know you always have to stay on that and be so stringent because i see a lot of people who you know uh, really, really uh, down on themselves about not being what they thought they had. Hey, by this time, I thought I was going to be this. I thought was, your story isn't over. You know, you might have an opportunity to to do something great. You know, as 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 you definitely have now. Um, Just because you haven't done what you planned on doing yet, that doesn't mean you still can't do it. Right. Yeah. 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 It is, and it's still as long as it's breath in your body. 
you know, you can still make the moves, you know. So, um, so I want to talk a little bit about that motivation that we talked about. Um, I was reading your bio on your website and then some interviews that you've done. You talked about how um, when your daughter was nine and she was uh, dealing with living with uh, asthma, that kind of pushed you to make some decisions um, uh, with how you cook food. And you said it was uh, based on... Uh, you're not being satisfied with like the medicines and things that uh, she was being, she was having to take and things like that, right? Yeah, my daughter has always had asthma, and when she was young, like two, three, four, five, it was horrible mm-hmm. to the point that the emergency room knew us by name, they knew us by face. Like we would walk in, I would walk in, I rate holding my baby, and they like, oh hey, Regina, you know. <laughs> And that wasn't normal for me. Right, right. And when she got to middle school, the butyrol, you know, the typical asthma pump they give you, mm-hmm. I didn't like the way it was making her change. It was helping her not have the attacks, but she was tired all the time. She mm-hmm. was sluggish. I didn't like it. And then she got to this phase where all of a sudden she wanted to, you know, uh, be around people and join clubs and, and, you know, be a cheerleader in sports. And the doctors told me she wasn't allowed to because of her asthma. Mm. I grew up not having people tell me what I can do, what I could do, or what I will do. So when I became a mom, I was going to be the opposite of that. Mm. So if my child wants to do something, I'm that mom. Girl, you can, you can do it. So if the doctors wasn't going to tell me that she can, I had to figure it out on my own. So I started to do a research and look up things, and I found that a lot of people that suffer from asthma, is a big part of that is the processed foods we put in our body. A lot of processed foods has a lot of chemicals in it, and my philosophy is, if I can't pronounce it, it doesn't need to be in my body. Mm-hmm. So I figured, okay, let me try this out. So I stopped buying all of the canned goods because you got to think about it. If it's in a can and that's a fresh vegetable, so they say, how is it that this, these fresh stream beans can live in this can on this shelf for three plus years? Yeah, yeah. So there's some type of chemical in there that is helping it survive. Right. Why is it oregano and something like 
easy 23 right. <laughs> you know so I started making everything fresh and I noticed how it helped my child with her asthma it helped me manage my lupus better and mm. it's something that I, I stuck with I never thought to make it into a business until if I'm completely honest a little over a year ago Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was my next question is how did you go from, because uh, I always talk about how we have a lot of people who, um, whose uh, motivation for starting their companies are, are noble like yours. Like it comes from a need and it takes a certain type of person to see that need out there. And instead of just saying, oh man, people need that. That's too bad. And then just going on with their lives. They say, well, let me actually try to fill this need and provide a, a healthier or a better alternative to to what's being provided. So, um, so you said that that decision came about a year ago, and what was it that made you decide to say, okay, this is working for me and my family, so I can make it work for other um, people? I started off with a baking business, cooking baking cakes and cupcakes and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I already had a business. That's actually how I put myself in college. Huh? So one day I made something different. You know how you get tired of the same dinner? Yeah, yeah. So I made something different and I put the spices on it and my wife was like, this is good. You should, you know, you should do this. You should add this to your website. And, you know, I'm fortunate to have a, a spouse that's not only a cheerleader for me, but she's also a coach. Right. So she, she goes, she will be my hype man. So she hyped me up and I'm like, I don't know. So then I had like a small get together and I made the same meal and I knew that if nobody else on this planet is going to be honest with me, my wife and my best friend was. So when I gave my best friend his plate, his response was, oh, this shit good shit right here. But he didn't know why I made it. He just knew that it tastes good. So I said, okay, let me chance this. I think, you know, people will like it. And then I'll let them know that it's fresh. Because sometimes when you are used to eating a certain way, you you believe that that's law yeah. so you you used to eating the processed stuff because that's how we grew up not saying that our parents was bad for giving us that stuff because they didn't know any better you shop and you get the things that you feel you can afford and you feed your family so it was a transition of trying to get people to understand that you can eat fresh and you can eat healthy and it can taste just as good as that processed food with mm -hmm. all of the chemicals and other agents in it. Right, right. So yeah. I did a test run. I put it on my website, and within two weeks, I made six hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. So I was like, "Oh, oh, <laughs> let, me, let me think about this." Right, right. <laughs> and I just breathe. kept doing it, and I kept adding recipes that I've had, and each month is gone up and up and up okay yeah so you have a, a number of delicious i was looking at your website uh my mouth was watering i was drooling looking at all the, uh, the pictures and the delicious foods you have on there do you have a, like what in your opinion what's the best dish on there like what's, what's do you have a favorite my mac and cheese the mac and cheese and what makes you, because everybody, well, a lot of people make mac and cheese. A lot of people don't make it right, but a lot of people make mac and cheese. What sets yours aside from everybody else's? Um, the fact that it's creamy and cheesy all at the same time. Okay. With some people, you have one or the other. Right, right. One is cheesy, 
but it's, it's real fit. Right. So you don't get that stretch, you okay. know, when you pull your fork out, you want that stretch. So with my mac and cheese, you get that stretch and you get that creamy creaminess that give you that that cheese sound that you want to hear. Everybody know that cheese sound. We <laughs> the mac and cheese noise. It's only two things you can do to get that noise. I'm not going to talk about the <laughs> other one. I'm not going. We're not. This is a family show. We're not. But anyway. But, uh, no, it's not. That's what makes that's what makes my mac and cheese delicious. Great, yeah, yeah. So, um, what's the other thing, Dave? Huh? Well, anyway, Yay. so, um, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> this quarantine got me crazy out here. Well, out. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and so, uh, like you said before, the recipes for all this, the mac and cheese recipe is on is on the site, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can go to um, uh, TaylorHomemade.net. Uh, for all these recipes, it's some like just check out the pictures. You'll be writing down the recipes, trying to make the food. Or um, so I was wondering because I saw the recipes on there. Can they order the food directly from you? Can you like make the food for them, or are you like no, I'm not doing all that because I want you to. I don't want to make it. I want you to make it. I've been getting this question so much lately. Okay, um, you, just, you just do the recipes? Well, yeah, so, just tell the people. Oh hell no! Nah. <laughs> well, let her finish. Hold on, let her. Finish. On a plate. <laughs> so what I've decided to do is one Saturday a month I'm going to announce where I'm going to be at and I'll have like I'll have a menu of what I'm cooking for that day that and you can good. purchase plate yeah, yeah, one day gotta, a week gotta one day a month, one day a month. month. What? where's your wife I need to talk to her Jimmy <laughs> For more days out the month. Well, we gotta start, you know, we gotta start on the trial basis. You gotta start yeah. on the trial basis. Nah, that. When, when are you starting? Once a month. What kind of shit is that? Virginia, when are you starting? The first, the first Saturday of June. First Come Saturday. Okay. 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 All right. So maybe. So yeah, we'll have everything on the website. Oh, she yeah, she gonna call her in here. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Nobody wants to speak to you. Yeah, tell her to get on camera. <laughs> Nobody cares what you look like. It's quarantine. See, that's what I was thinking. She might not have been like prepared it. to come and be. Well, you know, they, ask how, they ask me if I sell <laughs> the actual food or is it just the recipes? And I said, I've been thinking about it. And he said, Where's your wife at? Because well, you said she was your cheerleader. So yeah. she references. Well, I guess you listened to her encouragement, so that's why I was like, "Well, where is she at?" So we can ask her to uh, to do more than just once a month. We need like at least once, twice a month. And while he, I think that she could do it more often than that. See, there we go. It worked. Boom. <laughs> how, how often? How often do you think? Without without stressing her out and giving her like too much pressure. Um, realistically, probably, probably two uh, weekends a month. That's what. Yeah, that's about. what I said. That's what I, that's what I said about twice, twice a month. And I can't ask this shit and not get nothing. So <laughs> I definitely will get something. All right, so we we all in unison. This is live. It's wait, recorded. wait, you so can't make her change her business model. <laughs> See, let me apologize for Jay. I'm trying to explain to him that in business you have to test it out first. You can't just jump out there, and that's what Jane is trying to do. Uh, she's been running her own well, business all this time without you, Jay. Go ahead. Sister and my wife done called me out. Yeah. Right, right. 
Then that'll be the trial. So if it don't work with two times, you feel like it's still go back to one time. But I knew I had to go get the cheerleader because I knew you was going to listen to her. You might not listen to us. But I knew I knew who to bring in the conversation. <laughs> you all right, Patricia? Had a moment over there? Yeah, my phone. I flipped it around. Is it right now? Yeah, yeah, you're good. We can see you again. I saw a weird bug. I had to get off the ground. Yeah, I seen you. Uh, panicking. <laughs> I was like, we just going to keep talking. We're not going to make like, a beat. Everything's closed right now. <laughs> But uh, but so yeah, then so I, yeah, I'm just look. You have a talk with your wife. Don't don't listen to Jay. He's one of those people that make you. <laughs> she gonna I be in trouble when we get off. Right. So much people been asking me, when you gonna start selling this? When you gonna start selling this? And I just been like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I've been yeah. A scared. You know, sometimes you get into your own head, especially when you start the business. Definitely. Um, Definitely. And starting a business within our community is kind of hard yeah, because yeah. a lot of times we are taught without knowing that ownership isn't a good thing. Right, right. So a lot of times when people around you hear that you want to own something, maybe you want to own your own home, or maybe you want to own your own business, sometimes they're not supportive. Right, right. So you will hear most times. Yeah. <laughs> most times. You will hear... <laughs> A lot of the naysayers and, and all of the people who will tell you that you can't, you shouldn't, and you won't. And sometimes that gets embedded in your head and mm -hmm. um, that holds you back sometimes. Right. And honestly, that's what held me back. Because I've been holding on to recipes and spices and things since my daughter was in middle school. And she just finished up her second year college. Oh, awesome. So, you know, is it with anything you want to do in life, especially if you're interested in starting a business of any kind, I don't care what type of business it is, if it's food related, if it's hair related, maybe it's fitness or whatever, just do it. Don't listen to nobody else because a lot of the times people that tell you, that put a lot of energy in telling you what you can't do and what you shouldn't do and that something won't work, Right, right. Coming from uh, Patrice, the wind is really blowing over there. You ain't want to get in your car. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like, like you in a monsoon out there. Yeah, he is about to swept up by the Wizard of Oz. But um, and and I want you to be able to hear this because I wanted you to speak to that. I know you um you know you also um started your own business and. Uh, you know, uh, have been through a lot of the obstacles. And, uh, Gina, I'm glad you brought that up because before I get uh, Patrice to talk, I wanted to ask you, Gina, uh, what were some of the, the biggest obstacles that you faced uh, in, in the attempt to, outside of what you already talked about, about, you know, people who should be supporting you kind of uh, putting their own fears on you. But other than that, what are some of the obstacles that you faced, you know, in starting your business? The, bis the biggest obstacle was me. Mm. You know, I allowed so many people in my life to force their idea of what my life should be on me. Mm -hmm. So allowing that, I gave them right ownership and gave them the deed to my life. Mm -hmm. So not knowing that, the end result of doing that is I'm out here living, but I wasn't living. Mm -hmm. 
Right, you living for them. I yeah. was living for them. Yeah. And when you living for them, you living your life the way they want it, so they're happy, but what about you? Exactly. So I was my biggest obstacle, and it, had, it took me to realize that I got to live for me. What am I tripping over how they feel for? They ain't do, they ain't do shit. Right. If, if, if they felt this way, why didn't they do this themselves? Or why right. didn't they do that? So honestly, my biggest obstacle was me. I could have been uh, started my business. Yeah. I could have been got it off the ground. It's a it's a lot of shoulda, coulda, woulda's. But sometimes in life, plans don't go the way you intend them to. Exactly. Yeah. But the plans always end up the way they're supposed to. Mm. That's so I feel yeah. like. I didn't start my business when I wanted to start my business, but the place I'm in right now with my business is exactly where I'm supposed to be. So, yeah, that's that's great. I want to ask you, um, and I'm going to ask you and Patrice, uh, you both are, you know, women who started businesses. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Gina. What was your turning point? Because you talked about that that fear and that, you know, living for other people. Was there a specific moment that you realized that, oh, I can't do this anymore, I need to, you know, was there something that happened or was it just something that gradually you kind of started to realize that you need to start moving toward working for yourself? Or was um, it something that, you know, pushed you in that direction? The moment what happened, not to get too deep, but... Yeah, I saw that little giggle, I feel like it moment, was deep, it's deep. <laughs> The moment didn't have anything to do with business. It wasn't business related at all. Okay. I was going through fertility treatment. Mm. And I got a call from a family member. And you know how when you're in pain or you're not feeling good, people can sense something's wrong? And they asked me what was wrong, and I told them. I was like, oh, I'm fine. You know, I'm just a little uncomfortable because my egg's swollen, but I'm fine. What's up? And their response was to go off because they said um, it was selfish of me for being on that journey. I should be investing my money within the family and helping the family out more and helping my siblings more. And I just remember I was so hurt that when I hung up on them, I just sat in that moment and I cried. And when my tears dried, I just felt like, that wasn't me crying. That was my soul crying. And I needed, I needed that release in order to realize that I've invested too many years of my life trying to please them. So now all of the rewards that I have from the hard work that I've done, now I'm expected to give it to them. What's left for me? So it was like, okay, fuck them. Let me focus on me, and I'm about to do everything I wanted to do. It's kind of like what Cardi B said in one of her songs on her album. She was like, she climbed to the top just so she could shit on, spit on people. Yeah. That was my moment of feeling like I'm about to prove all of y'all wrong. Every time you told me I couldn't do something, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Every time you told me I can't do something, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it better. So the first thing I started to focus on was my business because everybody told me I couldn't do it because I used to be quiet. They thought I was timid. They thought I was a pushover. So how could you be strong enough to run a business? So I did my business, started my business, invested in my business myself, 
do everything for my business myself. And now I'm running my business and I'm to that place now where I'm trying to find a location. Right. So you, you have to do what's best for you. Right. You know, everybody, unfortunately, in our community, we ain't going to have no cheerleaders. Yeah, yeah. You know, we ain't gonna have no party to push you. So you gotta push yourself. Yeah, it's rare. It's rare to have people to uh to, to cheer you on. But um I was I was gonna ask oh there she is, okay. I was gonna ask Patrice the same question. What is was there a moment um that you uh you know kinda decided to, to, to start living for yourself or I mean well you had always, you know <laughs> kind of been doing that. But uh the <laughs> yeah. moment you decided to uh, you know, start your business and stuff like was there something that pushed you over that edge and the reason i'm asking both of you is because i know it's women out there it's people out there who um you know who are kind of in that place who are looking to you know begin something start that journey but they're scared and fear is a real thing but it's completely and 100 percent conquerable you know it's uh so yeah go ahead i'm sorry so so, so first things first i don't believe fear is real I believe fear is a compilation of stories that we've either told ourselves or heard them from others um, about what might happen, what might not happen, and we gravitate towards that energy. So I try not to embrace fear as being real. Okay. The second thing is, um, when did I actually... So I've always been kind of a person that moves... Um, I don't know, for lack of a better term, I'm going to do what I want to do. Because I um, I always live outside of the box. I always think outside of the box. Um, my my dad was a huge, um, a huge uh, motivation and inspiration for me to jump out there and be an entrepreneur and work for myself. He worked for himself. Um, and like I told you guys before, but I'll say it again, like he was a reason that when I was sitting at my job, I used to do, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with PeopleSoft. Um, I loved my job, but I wanted to do my own thing. It was, I'm one of those people you can't, you, like I said, you can't put me in a box. And I just wanted to jump out there. And I called my dad and he was like, what's your reason for staying at your job? And he, I, he said, I told him, I said, it's just health insurance. He was like, well, if that's the only reason. Do go ahead, jump out there, and that's what I did. Um, I think that most people, uh, we we want to feel stability, uh, whether it's financial stability or just um, to be what we've always learned we should be. Like you know, everybody should get a paycheck every other Friday or once a month. Yeah. Everybody should, you know, live, um, you know, kind of within this this level of conformity that we've been taught. Um, but when you have, I think entrepreneur entrepreneurship is a spirit. Like it's a it's an innate thing that you sit back and you have it, and you no know, matter how much you fight it, whether you in a job part time or you in a job full time trying to do it on the side, it it talks to you and it speaks to you every single day. Um, so for me, I just never look back at the the level of you know conforming like I was for me that's what it is a lot of people you know they don't like when entrepreneurs talk about you know not working for somebody else because so many other people do and I'm not knocking it 
I mean, some days, hell, I wish, especially right now, I wish I did have a check coming in every on Friday. <laughs> but um, being in that space of, of, you know, really wanting to have your own business and be able to call your own shots and be able to, you know, go to your kids' events or, you know, be there for them when, you know, when you choose to be, that's, that's a... It's a different type of motivation. Like, I really don't know how to explain it without sounding a little arrogant. But I, I'll never, even now in this space where, you know, I haven't gotten paid since March. So even now in this space, I, I don't want to go work for anybody else. I still want to figure out the, the gifts that I've been blessed with, how I can use them to help other people, but also to, to help me, you know, my son and, and make everything work. So... I guess to answer your question in a nutshell, it's a, it's an innate um, thing that you you know when you're a true entrepreneur, you you, you can't fight it. It's in there. And you, yeah. And you vibe yeah. with it and you roll with it. And you, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So she kind of described that moment. Jean, I know you said you worked for um for nonprofits for a while. Was it was it straight from that that you uh, that you went into cooking? Are you are you at the point now where you're not uh, where you're like not doing the nine to five thing anymore yet? Or I'm still doing the nine to five because yeah. the state benefits is 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 like a lottery ticket. What I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm kind of in the field she was in with people so so. Mm. You know, I'm at that space where I know I can jump out there and do it myself full time right now. But I think it's kind of like what she said was holding me back is the need to have stability. Right. Yeah. yeah. And with my job, my job is paying for my daughter's tuition. Okay. So yeah. it's like... Uh, yeah, I know I could make what I'm making now if I do it myself, but yeah, there's other things that come along with expensive. it. Let me think about this. So right. it's kind yeah. of like yeah. a tug of war, you yeah. know. Yeah. So, but but like she said, it's that innate spirit, and I feel like when you were saying like uh. You know, you were quiet and timid and things of that. I don't know if that's what I remember of you from high school, but we're not gonna get into that. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but yeah, um, uh, you definitely have that spirit, and so uh, you know, it, it's coming, in, and you know, it, it's coming in time. Um, can I can I say something to the sister? Really? No, you can't. I'm sorry. No, I'm just playing. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I just want to say so. Of everything that I just said, that I jumped out there, you know, and I did, you know, quit my job. It's been 11 years. It'll be 11 years in July. But one thing, if I could go back and do it all over again, so you're in a position where I was back then, I would have planned better. I would have planned better financially um, because right after I did that, I got really, really sick. I was in the hospital for 30 days. I, you know, I went through a lot, um, and I didn't have the liquid cash that I should have saved or that I should have invested in myself to prepare me for my entrepreneur, entrepreneurial journey. So if I could just share with you um, a little bit of advice from where I, the experience that I had, you know, start stockpiling, start investing, uh, whether it's stocks, gold, whatever it is you want to invest in, um, but also invest in your business. So like every paycheck, this is something I, I should have done. Every paycheck I should have put something aside or purchase something. So I'm in fitness also. Maybe I should have purchased a piece of equipment. Maybe in your business you can purchase 
the things that you need um, for the store that you're opening up and take it step by step. Oh, it was getting real good and now it's... That, you know, I hope that helps you in some way. Yes, that's, that was awesome advice, honestly. Yeah, and that's that's a great segue into my next question. I was going to ask you because you talked about um in, in one of your interviews I was reading uh, when I was researching for this. I saw you talked about um some really good advice that you received um uh, at one point, Gina. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about. So, uh, what do you feel like is the best advice you've received so far about business? The best advice um, I've received thus far regarding business. Besides what is, Patrice just said to you. <laughs> <laughs> is to fund it myself. Okay. Don't use credit. Um, if you mm. can, start it yourself. And I thought that was great advice for me okay. because I'm a former identity theft victim. Mm. So I know how difficult it can be once you get into debt to get out of debt yeah, yeah. and um i had a couple of awesome business owners one of our former classmates the lawyer i think you had her on the show yeah yeah um, she told me the same thing like yeah. you know start off small because she did it herself you right know, she was yeah. working and she'll invest a little bit into her business and mm -hmm. allow your investments to basically pay you back right so the right. best advice i received was definitely how was financial and how to make sure that I'm making the best financial decisions for me because I can easily go out here and get a bunch of credit cards and right. do, rush and do everything for my business now and then it's it's always that small chance of what if it doesn't work it's a trap nigga it's a trap I'm trying to tell you yeah. don't <laughs> like, what if it doesn't work so now you got all of these credit cards maxed out right your business is done but you still left with that debt. So the best advice I received thus far was financial. Great, great. So, um, so I was watching your uh, your segment on Good Morning Washington. You made the blueberry pancakes. How did that come about? How did that uh, that interview or that that segment come about? How did you get the opportunity to do that? Um, well, I have an Instagram page for my business, and I was reached out. This PR lady from, I believe it's Montag PR. Okay. She reached out to me, and um, she offered me the opportunity to be on the show. Mm -hmm. And basically, she offered me the opportunity to be on the show so that I could eventually, hopefully, be a client of hers. Oh. So she gave me the guest spot, and it was an awesome experience. She was great. Yeah. yeah. Um. The staff at the morning show was great. I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I was terrified. Um, but it definitely was a great experience. It was a blessing. Yeah, I saw the uh, the the blueberry pancakes that you made, and it made me realize how long it's been since I had blueberry pancakes. So if I cash out you some money right now, I'm just playing. We'll, we'll work it out. We'll talk <laughs> after the show. We'll June first, Dave. June first. Okay, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. All right. I'm ready to cash out for some mac and cheese. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's a uh, a signature dish. So you talked a little bit about the um the spices and the infused oils um that you sell. On your, I try to make sure I say oil now because my uh, my girl is always getting on me like, uh, why you say oil? It's a DC thing, right, Jay? Oil, oil. 
But anyway, uh, but yeah, so the infusion. You went to Howard, man, it's oil. Nah, nah, that ain't got nothing to do with it. It's still oil. Anyway. It does. It has a lot to do with it. It's the bougiest college in the world, nigga. You better say oil. I don't know about that. I don't know. It's like uh, Morehouse. Because you went there. Uh, but let me focus on the question. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I haven't said anything in a long time. They had to get yeah. out. <laughs> Remind niggas you was here. <laughs> but yeah, so um, you you talked a little bit about how you got into making spices, seeing all the ingredients in there and all that. So um, that seems to be like one of the focuses of your business. Like, what about uh, the spice blends really stuck out to you and made you want to uh, focus on that? I was just intrigued how spices, all of this stuff grow. All of it grow out of the, the out of the ground. It's fresh. Mm-hmm. And it amazed me the amount of flavors you can get from fresh spices. I don't know about you guys, but I was so used to buying the cheap spices from the grocery store. The dollar store, store yeah. Walmart. Not even McCormick. Got right. that dollar one they have in a bin. It just says salt on it. <laughs> and you shake it on there, and you, you think you can taste stuff, but you really can't taste anything right, right. unless you use pepper. Right. Yeah. So it was just it was intriguing to me of how much you can manipulate fresh spices and, and get different flavors every time. Mm-hmm. You can use this one spice. Let's take paprika, for example. I use paprika in four of my spice blends mm-hmm. none of them have the same flavor mm-hmm. so it was just it was intriguing how much you can manipulate it yeah yeah that's why it's like you know like a mad scientist over there developing new flavors and stuff from uh check out the spice the spice blends myself because i'm you know getting my uh my cooking game together i've been doing more <laughs> since uh no you're not dave you ain't know my you know Hey, hey, you was uh, remember the turkey burgers, Jay? Yeah, see, uh, but anyway, I digress. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, Chris, can you give your your? I'm sorry, I know you're gonna do it at the end of the show, but I just want to know right now. Can you give your Instagram? You said you had an Instagram page. What is it? Mm-hmm. It's Tella Homemade underscore. Tella Homemade. Tell Taylor Homemade. She got oh, this. She's a. You from DC too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, he's he cooking yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what he does. Yeah. yeah. In the summer, I will be hosting a cooking class. Oh. So okay. I'll have people come and I'll teach them how to cook. It's not that difficult. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not that difficult. And I might send you some spices. Since mm. you can't cook, well, Judging gonna... his facial expression, you can't cook that well. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good at what I do, but uh, <laughs> and but... see, in my spices, mm. you could put this stuff on a boot. Oh, you, you got your own spices? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she has her own spices. Have you been listening, Jay? Have you been listening, Jay? She has her own spices. Oh, I'm gonna post she... the pictures of it. Yeah. Tell her homemade. She got a label and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything. I'm yeah. Oh, Infused oil. What the fuck oil. is that? Vinegar? No, it's oil? infused oil. Listen, he don't. What kind of oil? Olive oil. Olive oil. Damn. That shit came from some olives. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> I'm talking about. But yeah, no, I'm going to purchase some because I don't, and I appreciate you, you know, offering the symbols, but I'm always like the support. I'm going to purchase um, uh, some of your oh, spices. Oh, yeah, I got to get my shit from you. 
Definitely. I think Patrice just rolled out on us. But uh Fuck that. She gonna get some oil. Right, she gonna order right now. Immediately. Right now. I need to use my phone to cash out. She, you see she she went off soon as she got the Instagram. What's the Instagram? Right, right. <laughs> she disappeared, right. But we are gonna uh post it and I'm gonna get you to um you know, uh, say it again before we wrap up. But I do want to ask you uh, the question. There's two questions that I always ask all of my guests, and I always uh, like the answers that I get. Uh, it's usually pretty introspective. So the first one, uh, Gina, is uh, if you had an opportunity to talk to, uh, let's say, uh, 13-year-old Regina, if you could go back in the time machine and meet yourself and have a conversation, um, being through everything you've been through in your life, having all the wisdom that you have now as an adult, uh, what would that conversation be like? What kind of things would you would you say to uh, to thirteen year old Regina? I would tell thirteen year old me to chill. It's it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, I would, honestly, I would tell her it's not that bad. I went through a lot of emotional things growing up. Um, so for me, I carried a lot of baggage. Mm. So, and carrying that baggage made me grow up a little too soon. Mm. So, I would definitely tell myself to, like, slow down. Okay. Because I, I became an adult too fast when I did not need to. <laughs> <laughs> and it actually made life a little more difficult than what it could have been. So, okay. I would tell young me to just just relax and just enjoy the just enjoy this ride right right that that sound advice that sound advice and and the second question that i always ask so and and sometimes it's the same answer but um separating it from the personal it, the, like i said there are a lot of um young women and people out there who um are looking into uh getting into opening their own business whether it be through um food and cooking or or any kind of uh business um if you were able to talk to them, what kind of advice would you give them or what would you say to them? People always look for that first step. Like, what's the what's the first step? What should they do? To just do it. Yeah. Stop making excuses and make moves. Yeah. yeah. Just do it. You want to... Yeah, Dave. Are you serious about your business? <laughs> Come up with a name. Right, you know, right. You a name for your business? Make you some social media business profiles. You right. need a business profile, not a, another personal profile because it's different. Right, exactly. Because you want a business profile because you want to be able to market. Right, right. So if you're serious about this, get you a name, get you some social media, get you built your own website. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot of things that you can do yourself. You don't just do it. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not as difficult as people make it seems to be. Right, Being right. a business owner is hard. It's hard as hell. But starting your business, if if you got the passion to do it and this is something you really want to do, you can get it done. It's it's not as expensive as people tell you. I think that's one of the main reasons a lot of people don't open their business. I know a lot of people out here who have some dope products. I mean, products that need to be out there. But they're scared to open a business because they have it in their head that they can't afford it because it's too expensive. I'm not going to be able to afford to get this business card or get this website. Why can't you? Right. You, don't have to, you don't have to pay them big companies to do this. 
You can do it yourself. Invest in yourself. Go into a Winks account for twenty dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and make it happen. And make it happen. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's. That's that's sound advice, man. I tell people all the time. It's people doing. It's people that want to do exactly what you're doing. That's doing more than you with less than you have. Just go. Yeah. So that's 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 some that's some great advice. So uh, you got a phone. You could be a business owner. Stamp. Exactly. You got this 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 powerful tool in your hand, and you use it for looking at cat videos and looking at Facebook and Instagram all day. It's twenty twenty. This snap. Like back when we was in high school with them flip phones. Right, right, that's right. That your, your thumb hurts just a tad. Right, right. I had a razor, but <laughs> our cell phones now you could write a whole book on your cell phone. Exactly, exactly. And publish so, it from your cell phone. Right, right, exactly. But why aren't you using your cell phone to start your business? Yeah, yeah. So if you really want to do it, you definitely can do it. So, um, so I want you to before we get out of here, I want you to um. One more time, let people know where they can find you, your website, your social media, all of that. You can find me on my website at www.telehomemade.net. Make sure you subscribe. If you subscribe to my website, you'll be first to know when I post new recipes, when I post cooking videos, or when I have new products launching. You can also follow me on Facebook at Teller Easy Homemade. And you can follow me on Instagram at telehomemade underscore. And and for the people who aren't from DC, that's Taylor Home. I'm just messing with it. T A Y L O R. It's T A Y L O R. Taylor Homemade. Taylor Homemade. I got that South. I got that Southeast accent. Yeah. So whenever I say my last name, so whenever I say my last name, people be thinking I'm talking about a bank teller. Yeah, lady. They thought that's how to pronounce shit. Anyway. And then I got the Eastern and lost all of it. That's why I say oh. But then you made it back up at Howard, Dave. Kind of, somewhat, a little bit. But anyway, so yeah, Jane, I want to thank you so much for coming through for well for. For telling us yeah. your story. See you on June first, nigga. Yeah. <laughs> we gonna be in the building. And yeah, when you uh, you know, when you get ready to do it, send me the information. And we'll post it on our social media sites to make sure you know that all our viewers Thank know you. Uh, where you gonna. Because you be. said you gonna post the location too, right? For mm-hmm. the for the one, well twice a month joints. Twice a month. I live in Baltimore now. Oh, oh, that's cool. We got, we got to do it. Twice a month. Yeah, we got to do an event. I didn't know you was in Baltimore. We gonna do an event with you. Yeah. Okay. I'll do one in DC and I'll do one in the Baltimore area. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so Jay is a manager of Nubian Human. Uh, they have a location in the Anacostia Arts Center. They sell, um, uh, how would you describe it, Jay? African American centric items. Everything in this store was made by black people. Um, yeah, so, uh, we cater to we, ca- we cater to people of color. Yeah, and so and they just opened a location in Baltimore. Well, not just really? it's been about now a year, right? Just open back up, so we could come back in too. Yeah. Where's your location? It's on Reed Street in Mount Vernon. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So check it out if you get a chance. But that's why he was saying he'll try to set up an event with you. So I'll make sure y'all get each other's info so y'all can try to make that happen. And um and like I said, man, thank you so much for coming and talking to us and hanging out and listening to us uh, uh, rant about different stuff. Yeah, and um so um on behalf of myself, uh, Super Dave, Jason, DC's native son, and Miss Fruitfit herself, Patrice, and our and our guest Regina Taylor. I keep wanting to say Regina Blaine. Regina Taylor, Taylor Homemade. 
www.neighborishpodcast.net. Thank you guys for watching. This has been another episode of Neighborish. Peace. Bye. Bye.